big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And welcome to our podcast on aggression. And, well, we wanted to um, come back to this because we, did, we had a, a podcast. <laughs> Start, spit it out loud. We have a podcast that we did um, when we first began that was on hitting and biting, which is, you know, is, which we may cover a little bit in this podcast as well. But for some unknown reason, the end kind of got cut off on it. So we thought it's a good time to revisit this topic because it's one that comes up a lot um, in a lot of the clients I work with around their little ones, perhaps hitting and biting and showing aggression can also turn up again in school age kids. And it also can be something that I've worked with, with quite a few parents who have teenagers of that big fiery energy and, and what do we do with that? And of course it turns up with us as well. So I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really good one to revisit with some tools and understanding, I think around what it's all about and how we can work with it and, you know, how transformative it actually can be when we look at it. So I want to start right off the bat, Marion, with, with asking you to give your beautiful, <laughs> your beautiful take on which you do so well on really, you know, the bigger picture around what we're looking at here and why aggression is there and how people view it. And you just go do your thing on what you talk about. Oh, so you so beautifully. Really? Oh, you asked me to do that. Thank you. <laughs> Favorite topic. Um, so again, what, what I love about aware parenting, I think what we both do is it's really a very different whole paradigm about human beings and what our true nature is and we come back to that again and again and again and i think it can be really helpful to keep coming back to that as a as a foundational piece that our true nature and the birds are here singing as well they they like it (laughs) now i'm trying to now i'm trying to concentrate okay our true nature what is our true nature so in in the paradigm that's been around for a very long time it's really been again that our true nature is there's something wrong with us as human beings that we're innately bad or it used to be that we were sinful and that um, we need to be um, kind of trained out of that um, out of that sinful bad aggressive selfish whatever it is you know that's the the um, that concept of humans and aware parenting is really not that is that our true nature is compassionate and connected and cooperative and, and contributing that's what we really love to be like and you might say well if that's the case why is my four-year-old hitting their two-year-old or why are they pulling the dog's tail or why do they keep um, pushing their friend um, over all the time whatever the thing is and it's really coming back to that understanding of feelings i love how you talk about it lal about being in balance i I really like to remember that there are three basic ways that children or all humans can be with feelings how can i not hear the birds i can't hear them in my room but i can hear them like (laughs) the birds are just oh this is hilarious we were just talking about our podcast is so organic that it's like marion sitting in a forest (laughs) recording this with her birds and we love the background of the birds so they're wild birds i hope you're enjoying the subtle sounds of the birds in the background of this discussion that's so funny it's beautiful sing talk Mm. sing so Mm. really the three ways that we have to be with feelings which is expression healthy expression so in children we're talking about crying and tantrums we're also talking about laughter those are the ways that that feelings get released from our bodies in healthy ways in ways that nobody gets hurt in ways that those feelings actually leave as you say so beautifully now they move through us and they and they they're gone we then no longer have that this feeling sitting in our bodies so the first one is expression the second way to be with feelings is repression so that's where we where we keep the feelings uh, within our bodies basically and with children that's through things like um sucking on a thumb or a finger, a dummy or pacifier, eating, uh, movement, nose picking screens with adults. That seems like social media, glass of wine, chocolate, biscuits, food, 
internet shopping, keeping busy, thinking a lot. Or there, are, there are a gazillion different ways that we use to repress feelings. And the third way is aggression. So that is basically when feelings are coming out, but they're not coming out in a way that is healthy and in a way that's the feelings are getting to leave our bodies. They're coming out in a way that usually someone's getting hurt. So with smaller children, that might be with um, hitting or biting or throwing or pushing. As children get older, it might be more in um, aggressive words. And again, in us as adults, that might show up in trying to use power over or being kind of harsh or judgmental. So it's really understanding the more that we're supporting our children or our young people, our teens, whatever age they are, and ourselves, of course, with healthy expression, the less there needs to be repression and the less aggression there needs to be, which also means less accumulation because the more feelings we get to express, the less they accumulate in the body. And another symptom of that is when feelings are held in, their bo in our bodies and when they're accumulated, again, in children, that often shows up as antsiness and agitation, um, not being able to go to sleep or stay asleep, um, not being able to sit still, not being able to concentrate, and for us as adults, it may show up in similar ways, you know, uh, just that antsy agitation, you know, that when you're just like almost not in your body, <laughs> consciousness is not in your body because there's so much agitation there. So it's really coming back to that's what aggression is. Aggression is not um, how our culture sees it, which is, you know, there's something wrong with that person. They need to be punished or they need to be coerced or taught a million times to be gentle, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. <laughs> that is not, uh, ever notice that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, so we can use punishments or rewards, or all of those things, but then we're not actually addressing the root cause, which is unexpressed feelings. And there are particular kinds of feelings that lead to aggression, which I'm sure you're going to talk about now. There's often things like paradoxically powerlessness and fear and um, overwhelm and frustration and again if we think about that for ourselves if we've ever gone to power over or um, harshness with our child which I think every parent has we feel powerless at that moment we're not feeling powerful we're not feeling in in our own true native state of power we, we do not need to move into aggression when we're doing that it's the same if you're a two-year-old or a 15-year-old or an, a parent or even a politician, if we feel true, a true connected power, we won't need to use aggression. Oh, over to you, Gail. Gosh, so <laughs> oh, many oh, things. Throwing Here the ball back over. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the first thing I, I would love to explore a bit further because this is something that I'm seeing a lot with some of the um, beautiful parents I'm working with. And I've, I've coined the phrase because it makes me laugh, mother rage, because I have so many parents, or mothers particularly. You know, dads are a bit different, but a lot of mothers who've come to me saying, you know, I'm a really peaceful, gentle person and, you know, I'm all about kindness and I meditate all the time and, you know, really their centre is pretty calm and, and really balanced. And then they have children and then all of a sudden they are like screaming at their kids and it goes from like calm, calm, calm to just ah, just losing it. And I really relate. I used to be like this too. I, I was very good at the mother age. I was calm and I would listen to my kids and, and you know, I'd try and, you know, back then I was distracting them if things were upset, you know, because I didn't know what to do. And then I'd reach a point where I'd completely blow. And it was distressing because that, I'd never felt that before. I'd never felt that level of rage or aggression in my body before. And, you know, obviously at the time I didn't really know what I was working with or what that was about. And, and then, you know, coming to aware parenting and doing a lot of work, realizing that in those times I was feeling so completely powerless. I was feeling really like I was, I didn't have any boundaries at all. So I wasn't taking care of my own needs. I was just trying to keep everybody happy all the time. And one of the things I think I discovered and what I've found a lot with my clients is when we really strip back to, you know, the beautiful um, stuff that we often talk about around when we are feeling feelings that are out of balance as an adult, you know, how old are we? Where are, where's this coming from? What, you know, and usually again, if we're not in our center, it usually is the child part of us who didn't get their needs met. And and one of the themes I see so often is particularly for people that had to be good girls or good boys when they were little. So really when 
the way that they learned how to survive or to get their needs met was to repress those feelings. So exactly what you're saying, Marion, of when they felt scared, when they felt upset, when they felt um, unsure, you know, when their parents got angry, they took all those feelings and they repressed them. And so then they, you know, we have to do something with those feelings there. So we distract ourselves and we learn pretty quickly, if I'm good, I will get my needs met. So we become that good boy, good girl scenario. And what doesn't fit with the good boy, good girl scenario is getting angry and getting full of rage and saying, no, I don't like that. And, you know, I guess what I, um, what I realized in my reflection as I did a lot of this work, I don't ever remember as a child having the opportunity to say, no, I don't like it. That's not fair. Like I, I don't ever remember finding a place within me that could vocal, could speak what was really going on with that passion and rage and it was held and hurt because I just learned mm, that's not safe, so I don't do it, right? And then I cruised through most of my life again, being a good girl, trying to keep everyone else happy. And then you have children. <laughs> and then it's like this part that gets activated within where that rage that was never spoken, the, the feelings that were never allowed to be expressed starts to come out. And, you know, we don't want to project this onto our children. We do not want to be yelling at our kids. We don't want this mother rage to be, you know, coming out. But what it is, it's serving a purpose to say, hey, there is some stuff in here that has never been heard. There is some big feelings in here that I have now turned into this rage and aggression that we are projecting onto our little ones because we are feeling so powerless, because it is tapping us into those parts of us that never got listened to or, got, or were heard. And so I see it so often with a lot of the, the women I work with that they are shocked at what, what's coming out of them as a mother, you know, and then bringing in all that beautiful, lovely stuff around judgment and feeling guilty and ashamed that they're doing it. And really, I think it's such an, a magnificent invitation to go, oh, okay, where does this come from? And what parts of you have not been heard before? And I think this is where aggression within us is an invitation into looking at the deeper parts of us that never actually got to be heard. Where does it come from? And, you know, of course we look at, we can feel that, feel rage or feel, you know, angry because we're tired and exhausted and we haven't got our needs met and we need a break. And there's all those kind of things that sometimes it can shift and move purely by self-care or setting boundaries. But then I think there's often a deeper layer to it that is really about asking us to go back in and have a look at well, you know, as a four-year-old, did I have a voice? Was I allowed to say, no, I don't like that? You know, if a boundary was in place, was I able to express, you know, but this is how I really feel about that? You know, what, what did it look like for us? And I think it, these are such beautiful opportunities to go, all right, where is this sitting within me and what can I do? Because, again, when we are seeing aggression within our children, if we're looking at it through that aware parenting paradigm, what hopefully we're looking at is, ah, there's something going on here for my little one. They're waving a red flag going, I'm feeling way out of balance. Things are feeling really big. I need you to help me move what's sitting here. That's what they're saying in their behavior. And again, the same applies to us. That's what we are really asking for. But sometimes it's a lot harder for us to, um, to acknowledge that and to feel into that because it can feel really painful. But I find that the more you journey into it as an adult and unpack it then the more spaciousness you have to hold for your beautiful children when they are sitting in their stuff because it's very very challenging to hold space when there is aggression or there's anger or there's big feelings if we've never had that held for us and also if we've got a lot of stuff that's sitting within where we haven't been able to express it becomes very very challenging and i think that's why we often can again be very harshly critical of ourselves as parents if we can't sit in those spaces and hold it but again compassion for the places that you've never had that felt before so you know it's this beautiful beautiful tangled web around more feelings more listening more or opportunity to explore, you know, where that sits within our own beings. So beautiful, Lel. I love how you express that. So, so yummy. Do you know what? You know me, I love, I'm going to bring on another list of three because you know me, <laughs> my list of threes. Or, 
because uh, I love you talked about needs and how sometimes sometimes frustration can show up because we're not getting needs met. So I'd love to name that in terms of children and us as adults, that list of three that we can always look to um, when something's going on that we're not enjoying either in our child or in ourselves. And again, this is from Aletha. Hello, birds. <laughs> like, speak, speak. Um, the list of three, uh, the way I talk about them is what we're, what we're thinking, what we're needing and what we're feeling. So I use slightly different words to the words Aletha uses. So again, if we think about what for us, what we're thinking, what we're telling ourselves. So again, if we're using the old uh, paradigm um, way of thinking, and if our child's doing something that we don't want them to be doing, and they and we're asking them to be gentle over and over again, or please stop doing that, or would you be willing to get in the car, or whatever it is, and they're not, they are not. Um, cooperating with our requests and they continue on doing that whatever we're telling ourselves is going to have an impact and if we're telling ourselves it's because they're doing it deliberately and they're doing it to wind us up and they're you know any kind of judgment of them we are liable to then go into um feeling maybe angry or, or frustrated and are more likely then to go uh, and be harsh or or act in ways that we don't want to um, so that's the what we're thinking. Then there's what we're needing. So as as parents, and I think particularly as parents of younger children, I really remember this. I imagine you do too, Lyle's, when they're very little and, you know, they really need us a lot. Uh, they need connection. They need support. And I really remember that my needs for autonomy and choice, it was much harder to meet those needs. Like, you know, before we have children or once they're older again, if we want to do something, we can pretty much do that. If we want to go out, we can, you know, we can set something up, you know, once they can be on their own or, you know, they get to be older teenagers, everything becomes easier again. But so common for us as parents of younger children for our needs for autonomy and choice and agency to not be met. And a really, um, a really key and natural response to that is to feel frustration or powerlessness or outrage. So all of these are relevant for children too. So again, it's really normal if we're not getting a needs met, and particularly if we're not listening to our needs. We've talked a lot about this in earlier podcasts. Um, that can start showing up a lot. If we're not honoring our needs, and we're not listening to them, we can feel frustrated. And then there's the piece that you spoke to so beautifully, which is our old unexpressed outrage, frustration, powerlessness showing up when our children will often you know, remind us of situations. And again, it might be where we're really asking for them to do something and they're not doing it. Or we're asking them to stop doing something and they continue doing it. And that can often remind us of times where perhaps, um, you know, we were asking, maybe we we're calling from, from our bedroom. Maybe we we're in a cot and we were calling for our bedroom for help or for someone to come and nobody came or perhaps, um, you know, maybe our, older brother tickled us and we were asking please stop please stop and he didn't stop so often these really big feelings from the past will show up when our children um, do not cooperate with us and it's so easy because that's the way the psyche works to think that they are about our child and what our child is doing so that's why I love the, the questions you talked about loud is often things like you know how old do I feel Aletha's beautiful question what does this remind me of so we're actually coming back to the feelings. The feelings themselves are beautiful and natural and normal. It's the fact that we're directing them to our children rather than actually directing them uh, or doing the inner work around who they really, who we really wanted to express them to and probably weren't safe to, as you said, probably wasn't safe to express that frustration or outrage to perhaps our parents or our older brother or whoever it was or the teacher at school. So those three, those list of three, that can be really helpful too. And it's also a list that we can go through with our children whenever tricky things are going on um, with aggression and in children is often that, um, that third reason that it's painful feelings showing up, but it also can be if they are really not getting their needs met for autonomy and choice a lot, if they're being coerced a lot, if they're having power over them used a lot, if they are, um, you know, those needs are not being acknowledged and their natural normal feelings of outrage aren't being expressed or heard, really that's very common then for them to go into aggression. So it can be really helpful to go to that list of three and really look at what needs, you know, what's most needs attending to. Mm, I love that. It's really, really helpful. I think as a parent, 
and I say this phrase all the time, to look behind the behavior and go, what is happening here? What is this telling me? Be really curious as to not only looking behind our behavior, but looking behind our children's behavior to say, there's something going on here. And I think, you know, I love, I, I use this a lot. I've used it over the years is that when my child walk into the room and I kind of do this like energetic scan of their body and when I can see they're agitated and I can see they're on the brink of something, for me, it's like, oof. Okay, something's going on. That to me is a okay. I need to find some place of connection here. I need to be really aware of what might be happening in the moment because there's something brewing, and I'm seeing that they're probably going to need my help to help move what is there, depending on the age of where they're at and if they can own the feelings or not. But that there is something there. So I think that as a first place is really so great to be looking behind the behaviour and then running through exactly what you say, Mary, in that list of what, what is actually happening here. And, you know, can that be shifted by information? Can it be shifted by, you know, food or sleep or a cuddle or something that is around connection? Or here is an opportunity for them to offload stuff. And, you know, look, I saw this so much with my kids going to school because they all went to mainstream school, which is, you know, really on many levels all about powerlessness, being told what to do all the time, not that much autonomy, all those kind of things. And so it was really evident to me as soon as I picked up my kids from school that there were feelings there for them that they were going to need to offload. And a lot of the time it didn't have to turn into aggression because I really could see what was happening. And right in, as soon as we connected, I was like, okay, I'm here to hold space for whatever's going on for you. We would do power reversal games. We would do rumbling and wrestling. We would laugh. You know, I would hold space if there were tears, if, if needed. So it didn't need to move into aggression, but particularly times where they did feel very powerless. That's how I would see it turn up. And you see it at different, I feel like I've watched too in raising, you know, children to become adults now that I definitely saw it at different ages. Um, and, and they, and again, for people, I guess, who are more in the, the mainstream system, whose children are at school, you know, we see it a lot in little toddlers and, you know, especially if they're going to daycare or kindergarten or those early years of school because you know there is often a lot that goes on where they do feel powerless or they don't get their needs met um, and then you know I found that kind of between the ages of six to nine my kids were pretty cruisy and they could say what they needed and express their feelings and then when we kind of got to that prepubescent age you know where things were starting to change and not just in their bodies in their brains but but things were shifting and changing that I saw a little bit more start to brew again and then in those teenage years it can definitely pop up and that's something I hear with um, adults uh, with sorry with parents I work with around those teenage years of seeing aggression in their teens but what I've also found is the more we work with that the more tools we give our kids when they're younger the more foundation of listening that we set up with them, the less they actually have to move into that as teenagers. But it can feel something really, really big to hold when your seven or eight-year-old is, is, you know, in aggression or rage because they're bigger. You know, you can pick up an a angry two-year-old and help move them to a safe place in another room. It's a lot harder to do with an eight or nine-year-old and it's pretty impossible with a 14 or 15-year-old. So, you know, it, it's interesting that parents often ask, how do I handle that? How do I meet that? You know, what do we do in those situations so i'd love to speak a little bit just of some practicalities that might assist you know our listeners if that is what pops up i mean the first thing that i always come back to is saying you know where are we can we be the anchor can we be really calm and centered and see what is happening here and notice oh there's some big feelings going on there there is nothing wrong they're just trying to move it so that first piece of not making it wrong and seeing exactly what you talked about there's something happening here that's fueling this behavior and ideally for me it is that we need to be the calm amongst the storm and how do we stay centered how do we stay anchored do i need to breathe do i need to make sure my feet are kind of rooted on the ground you know what do I need to check within myself if I am starting to feel elevated or starting to feel agitated or just starting to feel my own stuff come up? What can I do to help myself stay as centered as possible? And as like a, as a bit of an adjunct to that, you know, as we talked about the mother rage that might come up or any, you know, stuff that we move into, you know, ways to work with that of course are, of course, you know, doing some reflective healing work it, that can also be talking to a listening partner it can be getting professional counseling and help to unpack your story you know marion and i are big fans of doing the work of continuously looking checking in where am i today 
what's going on? What's coming up for me? What is this an invitation to look at? And I think if we can make that part of our practice of being human, then um, then we, we do the work and we shift the stuff and then it is so much easier to be able to sit in these spaces and hold for our kids. And I would, I would go as far to say it's so tricky to try and do that if we are not meeting those needs from our inner, inner child or we're not, we don't have listening time or we don't have the support we need. It is so, so hard to, to sit in these spaces with our kids. Um, so, uh, you know, firstly, I guess if we're looking at a, you know, raging or a two or three-year-old or someone who's hitting or biting, again, we're looking at, okay, there's something going on for them. My job firstly is to make sure everybody's safe. So I always say to parents, do you need to get in there and separate people? Do you need to remove your little one from the room to maybe to another safer space? But the first thing we're wanting to do is bring our safety and connection in our, in our car centeredness and hold a space for for whatever's going on and this is where I love your words so much Marion because this is what you taught to taught me and you know I, I say to everybody now but that beautiful languaging around I'm not willing to let you hit me or I'm not willing to let you scratch me which is just such it's a tiny difference that word willing but god it makes a difference do you want to talk about that just a little bit I would because love to. I, I just for me you know I used to just say I'm not going to let you hit me or it's not okay to hit and then when I really learned from listening to you talk about the willing piece gosh it changed everything because it really shifted the energy of what was possible within that do you want to talk a little bit about oh, that I'd love to talk about that so really this comes under loving limits so when there's aggression loving limits can be one of the most powerful responses there are we can move in with attachment play as well which we might talk about but loving limits are the, the, the basic foundation, which is love and a limit. And this is very unusual in our culture because in our culture, most of us would have grown up with, if we, if we were in aggression or doing something unenjoyable, we would probably have either been stopped with a harsh limit or, or probably just there would have been permissiveness. In other words, we just you know, got to continue or distracted away from it. So loving limits are really... Um, kind of new in our culture so they can take some while to learn it took me quite some while to learn them and what we're basically doing with a loving limit is we're saying no to the behavior and we're saying a loving yes to what lies underneath that behavior so we're basically knowing exactly as all that we've been talking about today that the behavior is caused by something and it's generally painful feelings that are causing that behavior so we can say a million times you know be gentle when we're not addressing the root cause so what loving limits do is they address that root cause so when we set a loving limit we're not expecting our child to go oh sure mum or dad or auntie sure i'm going to stop hitting or throwing or pulling the dog's tail and yeah i'm just going to sit quietly here now no what we expect them to do is because i see it a little bit like a, a volcano a volcano has come up and it's come into aggression because for some reason or other our child isn't um at that moment expressing it through expression so it's kind of like we're putting we're damming up the aggression like on the in the volcano and we're supporting it to come up in a healthy way where nobody gets hurt where it's like the energy like that volcanic energy which is actually beautiful natural normal um, life energy that we all have that needs to come out and it has really serious consequences if we if we block it up for a long time uh, so, so we're basically saying no to it coming out in aggression and yes to it to coming out in expression. So what we expect when we set that loving limit is that the feelings will start to bubble up so that they will, we're doing the minimum possible to stop that behavior. It may be um, putting a hand out and stopping the child from who's got the, the brick, or the you know, hopefully the toy brick in the hand about to hit the other child over the head and putting a hand to stop that happening. So we're doing the minimum possible physical action to stop the aggression. And then we are holding exactly as you explained so beautifully that that calmness in our body. I often found it to me is like um, the way I talk about will is like a, um, I see it and experience it as like a vertical line through my body where I feel really this, this uprightness and this centeredness and like I can feel that um, that energy that took me some while to develop and I think that can be require a bit of practice so it's holding that energy um, doing the minimum possible to stop the behavior and then listening to the feelings and so back to which your original question was which is about the languaging is I think again in our culture we've learned to say things like it's not okay and again, I always like to ask adults or parents to say, well, how do you feel? If I were to say to you, 
if I'm speaking and I say, it's not okay, how, how do you feel when you hear those words? And I also, when I connect with it, when I speak those words, how I feel in my body, because it's, it's, is a, it's not okay is basically a judgment. So I'm in my thinking mind. Um, I'm liable to actually then go into my own aggression from those thoughts because it's a judgment. I'm saying that what that child is doing is not okay. So I don't feel connected with myself and my body and my life energy, and I don't feel connected with my child. So an I statement, when we say an I statement rather than an it statement or a we statement, we, we are creating connection with our life energy and with our child. Uh, the other thing that people will often say, things like we don't hit in our family. So again, if I were to say that to you, we don't hit in our family. It doesn't really mean anything, does it? To me, it's just like, especially if the child's already hit or already done that thing, I think it can be really confusing because they're like, well, I've just done that. Does that mean I don't belong in this family? Where, where am I? I don't, gosh, am I, you know, it can bring about all kinds of shame and fear and all kinds of things, which then, of course, adds to the feelings, means they're more likely to do that stuff that we don't want them to do. So um, when we connect with the I and the I'm not willing it's really for me that, you know, my willingness work, which I've developed on from aware parenting is really we're in our true power. I am not willing for you to do that. And I might invite everyone to say that and to feel how you feel in your body. I'm not willing for you to do that, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. So it's the, the, the no, the clear no, clear I'm not willing and the love. And the love comes through the tone of our voice, that groundedness, the, you know, the way that we, our face is responding. I always like to add endearments because that helped me connected with, stay connected with the love. I'm not willing for you to do that. So I'm not willing for you to hit Susan and I'm right here and I'm listening. And often because, just as we said, they're not going to go, oh, okay, mum, I'm just going to play happily with Susan. And they, they're going to start probably um, struggling. They might start trying to hit more. That's when we need to be holding our thinking. You know, what are we telling ourselves? If we go into any kind of a cultural conditioning around, you know, they're disobeying me or they're disrespectful or they never listen to us or any of that, it's going to be very hard to stay connected with our beautiful innate power, our will energy. So that's the opportunity to say, I used to have a little mantra that I had with my children, which is, um, they're not enjoying this, not doing it deliberately. They need my help. That helped me stay connected with my love and my will. And I could keep going, yeah, I'm not wanting for you to do that, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. And often with loving limits, we will need to repeat them again and again, because that's part of supporting the, that expression to come out. So that we, instead of the aggression, it's kind of come out. And we might then, it's often will tend to go into then the, no, but you know, no, that's just, you know, that's what they're going to be doing, not us. They're going to be doing that when we stop the aggression because that's the expression starting to happen. They might start crying, they might start screaming, they might say, it's not fair, stop, or whatever the thing is. And if we can stay connected to our lovingness and to that clear, I'm not waiting for you to do this, and I'm right here and I'm listening, in that languaging where we're that I statement, every time you make the I statement, we're connecting with ourselves and we're staying connected with them. And it's the I, it's the I'm not willing that helps them feel that connection because they feel, they feel our love. They can feel that connection. It's not, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not, there's no body energy in that. I'm not willing for you to do that, sweetheart. And I'm right here and I'm listening. There's, that's, that's the connection that allows them to feel the love to feel the safety for the all the feelings that were sitting underneath that aggression to come bubbling up and they don't they don't want to be aggressive any more than we want to be it's not enjoyable it's painful um much more enjoyable to let it out even though it may not look like it at the time because they're going to feel really relieved afterwards so that was a very long answer to your question. That was so good. That was so good. I love listening to you talk about that again because even though I know that and I, have, I do that with my children, listening to you explain it in that way really, it, it makes so much sense. And it also, again, even listening to you say the words, how do those words land with me, that I really, you know, that is so true. So it is so easy for us to set those boundaries that we might say but they can be interpreted as i'm wrong and i'm bad and i'm doing something and where's that willingness word gosh it makes such a difference to how we're seeing that and you know that has been such a fundamental piece i think for me in in you know working with where parenting for years with my own children is is that huge piece of that they they don't do this because they want to 
they're doing this because there is something else underneath. You know, that, that external state is a reflection of what's happening internally for them. And my job as a parent is to go, hey, I'm here to help you within this. And how can I help you? And that help looks like setting that loving limit. And I love loving limits. So gold. Can you imagine what would happen in our world if we used loving limits? Um, we stayed open, you know, because again, and then, and then the clear differentiation is when we are setting, people often go, I'm setting a boundary, but they're doing it through yelling. They're being really harsh in their voice. There's a really clear no. You know what that feels like. You can watch your child. They'll either shut down. They'll, you know, pull away. There's disconnection or they'll, you know, they'll get, really scared or they they can get more aggressive so what that feels like in us to set a loving limit is you know and i really encourage people to to take note of what it feels like when you do it you know because then when we can sit in that loving limit so beautifully and we hold space for those feelings to move it's pretty magical what will happen because as you say you know i'm all about let's keep everybody safe first you know i know one of the things that gets us all the time but what if they keep trying to hit me so i i'm always like sometimes i pick up a pillow and i'm like i'm not willing to let you hit me and i use that pillow as a bit of a buffer because i also do respect that children sometimes when feelings feel so big they have to move it through their bodies they're like, and it's like when if, if, if anyone here has, has boxed how good it can feel punching a punching bag and we feel this like oh, in our body as we move it. And I really have watched and observed how little people often need to move their bodies in those way to move it. So I'm like, how can I make this safe for you to move these feelings that are sitting in your body without anybody getting hurt and keeping us all safe and, you know, without um, and, and having those limits as well. So I often used to pick up a pillow and go, I can see it keep going mate you're doing a really good job i'm here let it out like i would encourage my kids because i was like i can see you need to move this and i'm not scared of this this is a good thing and i know that when you move through this this like ah that you've got going on there's going to be some tears that are going to surface and then those tears are going to soften your body there's often this deep relaxation that happens you know that they come and snuggle in for a cuddle and then they just go what's for dinner <laughs> it's all gone right and it's moved and seeing that happen enough times you realize the power of what it is and how beautiful it is in helping them actually learn, understand, come back into that, that center place. So when our children are little, this is just the most beautiful opportunity to practice this with them, to, to offer that empathy and compassion. Like I love again, too, we're so big on teaching our children about empathy. So they learn that by having that space held for them. You know, as we sit there calmly holding that space for them, holding those limits, that's what we're modeling to them. That's what they're integrating into their bodies. That's what they learn to do themselves. So in those little years where there is those big feelings and aggressions, and as we hold hold them um, you know that is setting up some beautiful foundations in the child of that that is safe and that is okay and many kids you know not only just mine but many kids I've heard you know who have have been fortunate enough to have these spaces held for them will often see other children who are upset or angry and aggression or aggressive and say you know that child needs a really good meltdown or they need a really big release or you know they can acknowledge that that is such a powerful thing for for humans to do to move it so you know i love what that work is when our kids are little being able to hold that foundation and then as they get a bit older how it can then turn up again when you know they may be experiencing powerlessness again or other big feelings that that surface when they when they change when their bodies change when things change in their worlds and i think you know some of the parents i've worked with do find this very challenging because they're like oh but they're bigger now and you know when my 12 year old's yelling at me it feels very scary and i think what i have found too is that that is often another invitation for us to really check how centered are we how do we feel around these big feelings are we okay just with tears but if it moves into like bigger rage or bigger feelings does that feel unsafe for us where does that sit in our stories in our bodies and it's like i i you know i'm i've been just saying recently you know part of sometimes when our kids get bigger is learning to sit in in the fire with them which is sitting in the uncomfortable parts with them and holding that space and being that anchor and it takes practice like i know when my 
son, you know, when he was like, you know, 10 or 11 and perhaps started moving into some bigger feelings that he was working with, it didn't, I felt really wobbly around it. I found it really hard to, to hold it. It was easier when he was little, but at 10 and 11, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And then my husband would kind of clock that I was feeling wobbly around it. So he would just come in and do this big power over thing. And I was like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> and, and it took practice to to learn how to stand there and say, I can see you. I see all of you. And, and it's not too big for me, but I only got there by doing my own work to be able to own my own power on some level and know that they were just feelings and they weren't too much. And so I often say to parents, it takes practice learning to sit in the fire, learning to sit in the uncomfortable stuff. You know, our default is often, I want to fix it. I want to stop it. You know, I want to, I, I don't want it to exist at all, but can we sit in those spaces that says, I see you, I see how mad you are. I see what's going on. What else? Tell me what else I've got you. And I can hold the bigness of your energy. I mean, that to me is one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent particularly when we have teenagers because they need oh my god they need a parent to match them and say i've got you this is big and i believe in you and i really trust that you're going to be able to move through this and even though you're sitting with these big feelings here i can see it and i can hold it for you and i think that's why we have to practice when our kids are little (laughs) so that by the time we get there we can sit and hold it a little bit more and it's been something it's been such a gift for my kids to bring that to me, to, um, to practice that, to see it. And it doesn't happen that often, I think, because, you know, they've, they've worked on letting a lot of feelings go, but occasionally when it does, I don't feel scared anymore and I don't feel wobbly and I just go, yeah, okay, come on, bring it on. Let's go. What else? Tell me what else I'm here. What else pisses you off? What else are you mad about? Like, let's, yeah, I want to hear because your voice is important and I want you to be able to move it. And I think that is such a shift from our current culture, which just says, don't you dare talk to me that way. You know, there's something wrong with you. You need to, you know, go and do some more mindfulness so you don't get angry. <laughs> just like, <laughs> Sorry, I do like mindfulness. But, um, but these are all really important things. These are part of being human. We all have these feelings. We all have them. And they, they deserve to be heard just as much as all the other parts of us. But we have to find safe ways for them to move. And often what the safe ways are are finding another adult or another person who can say, I can hold this for you and I've got it and let's go. Mm, the most wonderful thing, isn't it, to be, to even as I hear you speak that and to, to know that, that shift that I've also made in myself is to know what it's like to experience that kind of level of unconditional love. And I love what you say about that energy because to me, you know, I call that our, like our will energy. It's like the, our outrage, our frustration. Um, that's actually it's not even just like oh you know we need to let it out to me is that's our life energy that's that's deeply related to who we are and, and our you know our motivation and our, our energy to take action in the world and and what I see is that if that energy hasn't been welcomed it'll either lead to things like either kind of um, depression or a lack of energy or that kind of uh, kind of deflating inwards type type quality or the giving up or the I can't do this that kind of depression type of energy or the um the more like the rebellion or you know the 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 fu kind of way of being with that energy whereas when our when that energy those feelings are really welcome then we we have that flowing through freely through our bodies and then we that's for our children and our young people then they can take action in the world they can do what they love they actually can speak up because that their natural life energy is free flowing in them. It's not all stagnated. And I think often that's where things like physical disease come in when, because we're holding in a whole lot of unexpressed rage. It is, that's true energy. It's true physiological hormones and muscle tension. I mean, it's not like it just goes nowhere. It's still sitting there. And we can hold that for decades. That's why it can often show up as parents suddenly like, I'm a calm person, suddenly the outrage, because it's been sitting there waiting to be lovingly heard. Mm. So when we can really welcome it in that loving way, we actually have more life energy. We are, we are more likely to be able to stand up to it with our values 
our, our children are more likely to actually have that beautiful life energy flowing through their bodies so that they can get out and do what they really want to do in the world which is what mm. we want isn't it? we don't want a whole load of people either in depression or rebellion we want people who are in their in their own will and their own life energy and willing to stand up for what they really believe in yes 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 so yes to all of that and you know what i think too is um you know we, we touched on this just briefly before about you know sometimes that aggression comes and it's gone past you know the the you know just a little bit of connection will dissolve it you know usually when we're in aggression we've gone past using any form of attachment play or or you know a cuddle will fix it right we've kind of moved to a different level and um so of course it is about holding that space you know knowing that it, they're just moving some big feelings and hoping it you know and allowing it to to flow and move through but also you know what we can do is kids that do have a lot of aggression you know often it is that they're feeling very powerless and that's where stuff like attachment play can be so brilliant to be able to play games with your child where they get to be in charge where they're the faster one where they get to push you off the edge of the bed when you're rumbling or wrestling where um you know they're the boss you know i've talked about this before my daughter used to love playing the game tali's rules and for 10 minutes she was the boss and she had to tell me what to do and and you know that was such a beautiful power reversal game that allowed her to feel a bit more powerful so that those needs were being met for autonomy for choice for power through play so doing those kind of things and that's where special time or you know that one-on-one time that we can have with a child where we play what they want to play is also beautiful maintenance so it doesn't need to get into aggression and you know they're our kind of go-tos always when when parents come and say my child is hitting or biting i'm like okay so firstly you know let's look at firstly where are you in this situation how's that feel for you what's going on is anything come up for you around that um, but can you do some more special time to fill up their cup to have more of that connection so that they get their needs met there you know can you do power reversal games so that they they can feel a bit more of that power and then can you set a beautiful loving limit next time it happens to hold space for the deeper feelings that are fueling that aggression to come out and we see it heaps with with when there's a new you know especially with toddlers when there's a new baby born you know we can often you know see toddlers who have been really fine and then all of a sudden they're pinching or biting or spitting and those kind of things and they're pretty we see that a lot with when there's something new that's happened in the family when they've moved house when there's a new baby you know those are their expressions that the the child is usually saying hey there's something going on for me so they're really beautiful tools that you can start with to help shift you know to do the feelings not only just in the moment but doing some of that beautiful maintenance so that it doesn't actually have to get to that space as well and i have to say the same thing looks the same for teenagers right so even though we're not playing um wrestling on the bed which you still could do which is also very good but um doing that power vessel stuff where your teenager gets to teach you stuff where they're in charge um you know where you give them a bit more power and autonomy can make a massive difference as well in that relationship and also where they feel like they've got a voice and they've got a a say as well as well as you know being silly and playful you know they still definitely need that as teens as well any opportunity to do that can be amazing and then also holding those loving limits when they're asking for stuff and we can see there's you know bigger feelings brewing to really still hold that loving limit stay deeply connected and centered as they move through those bigger feelings and you know i find again too look you know my love of course i love teenagers and working with that but it's rare that i've met an adult you know when we're working through teenage stuff who themselves had a parent who could stand in the fire with them and hold space for those big feelings it's rare that i've met any adults that had a parent who could do that and so of course a lot of their stuff turns up in the teenage years uh, around things like disrespect and um, you know then you know disobedience and no control and all those kind of things because again that's a lot of what we experience so so you know again do the work <laughs> come back <laughs> come back to looking at your stuff it's always the answer we always think first thing yeah oh Mm-hmm. I do you know I wanted to add one more thing to the kind of preventative part to mm. or to reduce or prevent aggression, which is all, to add to all those beautiful things that you talked about. It was also about um, really looking at where we are we using power over? Are we coercing our children? Are they having a lot of that kind of power over coercion in their lives? Are we? So when we're talking about all these things, we are talking about the all the the 
the pivotable, pivotable, the core things in a way of parenting, which is also no punishments and rewards. So if we are, if there are places where we are being coercive or using power over there, that's very natural, normal for them to either feel outraged and frustrated, or if they don't get to express that in healthy ways, it's going to show up as aggression. So it also can be really helpful to look around and, or, you know, is that happening for them with their peers or somewhere else that, that they're experiencing power over. So that's also mm. can be really helpful to address. Mm. And I just, I mean, I, as we kind of come to the end of this, I really just want to say again that if your child is hitting or biting, that they're not bad. There's nothing wrong. They're just saying, hey, I've got something happening here and this is the best way that I can try and move it. Or, you know, remembering we talk about this so often, children know what they need to do to come back into balance. They do that through play. They do it through the different things that will happen in their worlds. They do it through um, needing to find opportunities to release those feelings they know what they need to do on many levels to come back into balance but sometimes it's us that miss misses the cues around what that is so if your child is angry and if there is a lot of aggression then it's such a beautiful invitation to go okay what's happening for them you know and where is it that we can i can use some of the things that we've talked about today to hold that space for them to unpack what's sitting underneath you know, what's, what's fueling that behavior and gosh, it makes a difference when we can come to it through those gentle eyes and through that compassion, as opposed to judgment. Gosh, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? It makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So as we finish up, what, what offering would you like to um, say around this, Marion? Mm. What would you have loved to have heard and received from the adults around you when you were growing up, when you, if, if you had gone into either frustration, outrage, a tantrum or aggression, what, what words and actions would you have loved to have received? And, and I invite you to even, if you have a yes to this, to imagine what it would have been like to receive that and see whether that in any way inspires you in an embodied way to, to respond more like that with your child or children. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I guess mine's similar to that. I would just invite you in the present time, in the moment, when you're starting to feel a little bit you're heated yourself or your kids are, just to observe what's going on for me. Where am I in this right now? you know, do I feel centered and can I feel like I can hold this or am I starting to feel wobbly or am I starting to get angry or am I starting to feel scared? Am I starting to feel panicked? You know, all those kind of things, which are really normal natural responses that we can have to aggression, particularly if, you know, we, we didn't have good experiences when we were little. So just to be curious, to be curious how it feels in your body, what happens for you and what might you need to help yourself um, move through some of those things. So. Mm more inquiry Yum. Mm. i love that i love that i'd also love to say uh, letha salter's books uh, tears and tantrums and um cooperative and connected also really really helpful and attachment play really helpful books to read to yes. really understand more deeply about these things yes i agree i agree beautiful all right good conversation i mm. like it yeah juicy part, part two so if you want other i'm sure we haven't actually um neither of us have probably gone back and listened to the podcast we did a year and a bit ago on eating <laughs> and biting but there might be some beautiful crossovers so if you still want more you can go and listen to that because we've probably got a an even different take that we talked about back then so yeah good to go and check out so thank you for being here, everybody. Thank you again for all your um, all your beautiful messages that you send in and you're sharing. You know, if you do love the podcast, we'd love it if you want to rate us or send us a message, um, send us a, a testimonial. You know, we love, you know, more and more people hearing about it. Actually, I just have to share, Mary, and I just got some stats today. And we are like in the top 15 in Belgium for um, for podcasting on family. So thank you to all those beautiful Belgium listeners wow. that, um, that listen to our podcast. Thank you. Oh, We're like we rank the highest in Belgium of all places in the world. So thank wow. you. That's so Hi, lovely. Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you. I have a couple of people might be helping that happen. <laughs> thank you. You know who you are. <laughs> yes, we really appreciate. We appreciate all the love and all the listening. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, so thank much. you everybody for being here. Take care. Go gently. Mm, so much love to you. 
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.